Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Grimlock to my bumblebee. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how are you doing? Uh, What's it like to be a big dinosaur? <laughs> I was the few word for situation. <laughs> our, very, our very own Optimus Prime. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how are you doing? Oh, as full we'll of wisdom dead. and... Oh. Uh, yeah, I was going to say... Uh, <laughs> Always replaceable. Should I make Kevin? Would you rather have been a Decepticon than Grimlock? Uh, I think it's fine, no matter which way we do this. Yeah, come. <laughs> I, I have equal feelings about all of the options. Come at it with Decepticons, Nathan. See, I'll be Unicorn. We can do. <laughs> You're Windblade, Kevin. The Orson Welles of the podcast. That's okay. Right. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's after let's I get, transform, I'll have these. Get right into it. <laughs> I have a. I'm going to start off with an Eric subject. Eric, are you ready? Of course. The Seahawks are going to wear their throwback jerseys October yes. 29th at home versus the Cleveland Browns. Eric, they still have not announced what they look like though. What oh, what do I you, mean what are you expect you, what are your expectations for the throwbacks? If you uh you know, if you've paid attention to like from the original announcement like I have, then yeah, you can you can figure out what these are. These are the 90s uniforms with the Seahawks logo on the side of the sleeve. So it's not just the classic blue logo uh with white letters it's going to have uh it's gonna have that seahawk logo right on the arms uh there was a lot of discussion at my job of like why are they doing this against the browns shouldn't they do it against some afc west team when we play them but one we're not playing the afc west two we have one game against the afc west right yeah it's i it, it would make sense and uh they may do it a second game uh just one game announced so far uh that afc game may uh it may be throwback, may not. But the are Browns have like. Wait, I'm looking at the schedule. Do oh, play... you think? Oh, oh hold Chargers, on. Chargers, Chargers in week one. Yeah. So yeah. like, why? And it's because it's week one. That's why they're not doing it. Yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, okay. you can't. Wait, but I'm asked and answered. <laughs> yeah, but if you're looking at another AFC team, I see. I think they could do it. They could also do it in division. It wouldn't oh. matter. Oh wait, but, this uh, is the Rams. Are, do we even play an AFC looking... West team this year? Hold I'm on, looking at the you're... schedule. I'm so confused. I know you're you're like Wait, jumping the Ram, over it. It's I think it's because the Rams logo. Like if I really like don't look at it very well, it looks like L.A. with a lightning bolt. You can, <laughs> right? Did, did, I there's mean, there's a reason why we all made fun of it when they made <laughs> when they made it. Like like like, I, like I'm, I'm glad that it's so bad. You had to catch back up to how bad it was. But yes, <laughs> it looks like a L.A. I don't think we play an AFC West team, Eric. You're right. No, we do not. I'm looking right at it right now. Yeah, yeah. So no, we're so not going to play it against the Titans. <laughs> no but the ram the, I'm, I'm sorry the, we could do it against the titans because of the oilers yeah yeah oh but, boy you know, oh they, boy they hate the oilers there because you know they don't want to recognize that they're basically a move team uh no but the browns have like that classic logo so i think it'll be a nice little matchup um color wise and yeah i'm i'm excited to see the seahawk that's used to getting his ass kicked bringing okay. back the old era of seahawk football eric blue shirt silver pants correct yes that is okay. What what if it's what if it's blue shirt blue pants? How will you riot? I will riot. Because if you're <laughs> gonna if, change it, what if then change white... the helmet to the current logo with a silver helmet? What about white shirt blue pants? That was never a Seahawk <laughs> classic want, Seahawk look. So I, I, I will wanna... lose it. I will lose my nope, mind. it was white shirt silver pants. Yep. Uh ooh, that'd be, I would be the worst, I think. White shirt silver pants. I would be very un- I don't like that look, that sounds ugly to me. It's fine. White shirt because I mean, because they got the stripe going down the side with its uh, like white in the middle with blue and green on the outside. Ooh, yeah, so it looks so like good. a belt from the seventies. 
I love that. I love that pants belt. I love it. Oh, all right. All right, Kevin, any thoughts on the uh, throwbacks before we go to to a question that is specifically for you? Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward <laughs> like, to the throwbacks just in general. I also wanted to say we did all these draft episodes. This is uh, Eric's comeuppance. We're talking Transformers. We're talking throwback jerseys. This is really getting back into his wheelhouse. Yeah. Oh, no, this, I, is, this is I, the Eric I, episode. I prepared, I prepared a question that's specifically for you, Kevin, but Eric will have an opinion on this as well. Uh, Bob Condota reports from camp. Seahawks safety Julian Love revealed today that his grandmother's brother was the founder of Paseo, a well-known Cuban restaurant in Seattle. Eric, is this your – or Kevin, sorry. Is this your new favorite Seahawk? Uh, I mean, he's in the running. I was already a pretty big fan. But uh, like I, I liked him, on, like I liked him on the Giants last year. I thought he was a really good fit for the team. I thought he was a really good player coming out of uh, uh, what Notre Dame. And now he's related to one of the best pork sandwiches you can get in the Greater Seattle area. Yeah, go farther, that's... go farther. He's one of the best pork sandwiches you can get in the in the left uh, Milky Way galaxy. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, dude, like... that that pork sandwich is amazing. It's it's very it's very good. Uh, uh, let me put it this way. I so they put a they put a location in Issaquah. I planned a hike to be able to have Paseo on the way home. Yeah, they, they get, <laughs> just make you, sure it's open, Kevin. You want to know uh, the be- the important thing to know about it is um, that they slow roast the onions for as long as they slow roast the pork. And so, if you want a fifty fifty caramelized onion to pork ratio, then you gotta get after that sandwich. And if you don't, then what are you even doing with your time? Yeah, it's uh, it's really good, and Unbien also is a uh, mm-hmm. sa- same family, same similar restaurant, um, born of a weird di- disagreement slash random paseo closing many years ago. Uh, so, <laughs> so yes, uh, that both good. Eric, any paseo thoughts before we uh, move on? The, I know you've, I know you've, I know you've danced with the Midnight Cuban sandwich. Yeah, I I love paseo. My my only issue ever with paseo uh, that I told Kevin make sure it's open because <laughs> you'd go like, well, it's Tuesday at noon. They're not open oh yeah, it's they, they ran, four o'clock or, they're not opened why are they not open and then other people would be like walking by like why are they not open it's like you're you get there you're at, recognized one of the best sandwich shops in america why are you not open what about you get there at 12 30 and it's like yeah we can get you a meal but we're out of bread yes <laughs> like, i, I will this. say that's gotten better over time they finally realized that people want their food and so they stock appropriately well, but for a I while like, there it was weird before too like the one it was just the one guy would come in and make everything in secret before they opened so they just had what they had and no one knew how to make more that's another thing that was that was part of like paseo lore was just this guy yes. would come in at like 3 a.m and make like everything and then people would just come in and serve it, and it'd be like, "Yeah, this is what we got. We got this much." Now, since Unbien exists and they like recreated all the recipes, he's figured out that you know, okay, I can't. I'm not holding back like some great secret here. I can just let people make the food. Three a.m. shift. <laughs> that guy making pork and elves making shoes. Those are the two. two those are the two three a.m. shifts. <laughs> All right, I'm going to start with you on this one, Eric. Michael Sean Duggar reports that the Seahawks will also celebrate the 10-year anniversary of the Super Bowl 48 championship team on September 24th against the Panthers in Week 3. It says the team will relive big moments from the magical 2013 season and welcome back players from the championship-winning team. We'll start with this. What players do you want to see from the 2013 team uh, being recognized on the field? Russell Wilson. (laughs) (laughs) Because Hell you yeah. asked me, you asked me, so I thought, how cool would it be if he's like, I uh, I can't play this week. I'm actually going to be in Seattle, so uh, you know, God bless, uh, you know, 
separation of the preparation. I want I want a well, moment uh, of silence for Tavares Jackson. Uh, uh that's, yeah, that's actually, that would be really cool. Um, okay, who do I want? I want a serious Legion answer. I want the Legion of Boom minus uh one certain Legion of Boom player who will not be able to make it. Brown. They could just replace him with Simon. Simon, Simon Therold instead. <laughs> Nathan brought up Nathan brought up the the roster and was just like, "What name can I say?" Hilarious. There it is. There it is. Man, I always uh, thought Simon Therold would be good though. I was I was like, because he, he he had flashes. You know, there's flashes of like, "Hey, this guy might be kind of good," and he just never. If you're he's a if great you're example a, uh, of traits do not match uh, play. Yes. If you're a long-time Seahawks fan, there's always that guy who's on the roster for like three seasons that you're like, this is the year. This is the year he's going to put it together. And then you bring him up uh, at the team year anniversary podcast. Also, Jeremy Lane is who you would bring in to. I don't think, I don't think. Uh, Jeremy Lane was great was when Je- his arm Jeremy, was broken. Jeremy Lane wasn't on this team, I don't think, was he? No, 2013? Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking no, at the wasn't. roster right now. Was he on the practice? Was he on the re- injured reserve or something? No, he's not on here. No, oh, yeah, he is. Injured reserve. He was IR2. No. Oh, was he? Was yeah, remember he, he got hurt he... in the playoffs, if I remember correctly. Uh, Deshaun Shedd, though. That's who you bring in. Deshaun oh, that, that You wouldn't have to bring him in. You would just be like, hey, hey, hey take two steps forward. He's one of the DB coaches. <laughs> yeah. uh... Matt Flynn wasn't on that team either, was he? He was Tarveris. Did Walter Thurmond. Uh, yeah, yeah, honestly, okay. uh, bring in Marshawn, bring in the Legion. Um... And then from there, uh, beat the Panthers. That's why they're having it on that game. They're like, what What team can we beat easily to celebrate the Super Bowl? I want to see Seahawks legend, one day retiree, J.R. Sweezy. <laughs> Gross. He clearly cares a lot about the team. He came in and signed that one day contract. Uh, oh. Also, bring in the old offensive linemen so we can all see that they look like completely regular dudes that are way skinny now. Because if you look at most of those guys, they all just like, uh, stop taking Cash, PEDs. Cassius Marsh. Wait, Cassius uh, Marsh. KJ though, gotta bring KJ, KJ in for sure. Golden. Wait, was Golden, Golden Tate? Was that the year is, after? Golden Tate's there. Golden yeah. Tate's yeah, there. That was that was his last year with the team, if I remember correctly. You know what? You bring in either Golden Tate or, or no? Yeah, no, that was last year. No, yeah, Golden's on the roster, or uh, or what's his name, the guy we traded for that no one remembers. Oh, Percy Harvin. Percy Harvin. Yeah, you bring in Percy, Percy Harvin, Harvin or there. Golden Tate, but not both. <laughs> Flip a coin. That's make that a make that a a a poll on the Cooper, uh, Discord. Cooper Helfet. All right, I'm done with this. Our third tight end. Just, to, going just to have him stand under the screen while we show that tight end. While we show that touchdown catch against Arizona. Okay, well, speaking of that touchdown catch against Arizona, Kevin, what was your favorite moment of the 2013? What was your favorite Cooper Helfit <laughs> moment, Kevin? Uh, honestly, it was it was uh, the entire playoff game against the 49ers. Oh, okay, yeah, that was a great game. It's awesome. Uh, like from it's, the beginning it's, to the tip, it felt like that felt like the Super Bowl. Um, we've said it before, uh, like that was when we rolled in against Denver, like I know Denver's office was supposed to be elite and everything, but I think we felt like it was the Seahawks game to lose. The game against San Francisco was legitimately a uh, a big challenge. And like the way the defense ended up stepping up, like uh, the Seahawks ran away with the Super Bowl. So having them like scratch and fight and really have to play hard for that uh, win in the NFC championship game uh, was, was just really memorable. Um, Eric, do you want to go first or do you want me to go? 
Uh, I'll go and I'll just say I'll take the opposite and say the Super Bowl itself because although the 49ers were good, I still look back at Colin Kaepernick but not being like an all-star winning quarterback that really should have given the Legion much fits. Uh, although they had a good game plan against this, I thought that was more of a divisional matchup that is always tough. But something that always gets overlooked that I really just want to shove down every reporter and media personalities face is that the Denver Broncos had a historically record-breaking offense and we dismantled them and that can't be understated when you talk about greatest teams of all time that was the greatest Peyton Manning team to ever play and we dismantled them um so my my play is is different you know that there's like times when you when you watch teams play and you that like it's when like things are really difficult that's like when you see like the the kind of quality of a team and i think like early on the Seahawks got that that was that week 4 game against the Texans where the the they play the Texans they go down big both offensive tackles are hurt the center is hurt JJ Watt is like cleaning our clocks just <laughs> destroying us on every play uh the C- the Seahawks uh, put together a touchdown drive it's 13-20 uh Russell Wilson throws a pick, and then we look pretty doomed at that point. I really felt like the game was over. And then Matt Schaub throws the pick six to Richard Sherman. That play specifically that ended Matt Schaub's career. Basically, it was like that <laughs> it was it broke Matt Schaub. That was so that was so awesome. Sherman took it for the touchdown. We won the game in overtime. Not the only game we won in overtime that year. That big comeback against the zero and seven Buccaneers that Brett always likes to talk about. It's like the first half of that game was the worst really frustrating game, worst game of his life. Uh, so yeah, that. Those two, those two together. Uh, hey, I mean, what about the that going back to that pick? What was uh, what was interesting about that? What was the little trivia piece about that pick six from Richard Sherman? Um, was it Sherman the number of pick sixes in a row? Right. Oh, that's Sherman, Sherman lost two. and oh, he, he lost did. about the fifty yard line, the forty three yard line, and he ran in with one shoe. I'm like, oh yeah, he did. I see it now. I was like watching a gif of the play. <laughs> So now I was like looking at his feet now. I just remember being like, oh man, that's, he had to, that had to be slipped. Like that's a, that's a, that's a level of, of talent you don't really think about. (laughs) So uh, yeah, the uh, Sports Illustrated posted this, uh, you guys, the 10 most stressful teams to watch according to uh, them. Okay. You ready? Number 10 Falcons, number nine Rams, number eight Panthers, number seven Raiders, number six Chicago Bears, five Colts, four Cardinals, three Texans, two Titans, one Broncos. What what I want, want to understand is, do they not understand what it makes a team stressful to watch? These teams are Apparently just, bad. just being bad all the time is very stressful <laughs> to watch. Yeah, it's, it's like because your loss is a foregone conclusion for the last half decade. Looking at you, Texans, the, the team being stressful to watch needs to be a combination of the team being good, but never putting the other team away, which is cult definition of Seahawks football they just never put anyone away so yeah I I don't I don't know that that like bothered me a lot and so I just wanted to bring Nathan's that. list is like Dylon listing the five greatest rappers of all time the five most <laughs> stressful teams to watch Seahawks 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 and Seahawks it's horrible it's horrible to watch the Seahawks <laughs> um okay Let's go one more one more subject. Uh, Marshawn Lynch is got a starring role in the new movie Bottoms. Uh, have you seen the trailer, boys? Yes. I had no idea about this. 
until now. So, like I'm just bringing it up to now. you. Yeah. Okay. So the, the, the conceit of the movie, Eric is there are two uh, girls. They are like, they're lesbians and they want the hot cheerleaders to hook up with them. So they start a fight club. Um, that's, <laughs> that's like the plot of the movie. Um, it mm-hmm. premiered at South by Southwest, got very good reviews. Marshawn Lynch is like, they're like a, like a teacher that they asked to help. He ends up being the faculty club. advisor for the fight club. Yep. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, this is, uh, I'm very, I'm very excited. It looks funny. Uh, looks like another, like, you know, solid entry into the teen movie. Uh, genre does not look bad just looking at skills uh, right now the, tra- the trailer the trailer has like a it has style to it so that's um that's the last thing for oh. that i have one other oh go ahead eric is your next thing um is it entertainment adjacent like tv adjacent no it's about jamal adams because okay, I wanted to well, use it, to, I wanted to use it to to dovetail into the the, the, the longer conversation. So do you have an entertainment adjacent thing to go say ahead, Eric? You got, Eric? I was gonna say, yeah. Eric, you what what about this? Me? I'm trying to remember the name of the show. Um, what about the thing on Fox that is? It's oh, like the reality a, TV show with yes, uh, oh, Mars. Life, on, Life on Mars. Richard Sherman, yeah, Life on Mars. Richard Sherman and Marshawn Lynch. Did you watch the episode this week? No. Marshawn was like the like the I don't know what you call it like squad leader or what I don't know what they call it, I can't remember what they call it but I just watched clips and he had to interact with uh, Lance Armstrong a lot in the episode and it was like the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. He Marshawn should be Marshawn should be in charge of more stuff. That was my takeaway. From Stars that. He, on Mars. He can, he can get he can get he can get along with with anyone. Uh, it's just it's just great. Yeah, I feel like. Marshawn's so chill that everyone underestimates how much of a leader he is. That dude has a lot of natural charisma and is really capable of making a situation gel. Like if you look at a lot of situations he's in um, where you hear him like saying stuff, he's just kind of a glue guy in a way that you don't think of it being. I agree. Um, All right. Click the link in the chat, guys. This is Zach Charbonnet drawing our logo. What do you think? Oh, I saw this before. This is uh, (laughs) this is not good. (laughs) JSN did a better job. This looks I'm like somebody get that man a mirror and a the, helmet. This guy, this guy looks, it looks like a, it looks like a shoebox that he put, <laughs> that he drew it on the side It looks like of. you opened up a can of sardines and then smashed it with your fist. Yeah, it's not good. I mean, it's he's wearing good. a beret, so maybe he's a real like French artist. I don't Was know. Was it yeah. the kind you do, buy at a secondhand store? Do you want to see Jackson Smith and Jigba's Eric to compare? Uh, of course, because that go. one was really, really bad. So there's Jackson Smith and Jigbuzz right there. Jackson oh, Smith and, these, Big, I, and Jigbuzz looks like a slipper that you would wear of of the ugly Sonic from Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes, it's and an also this, Sonic this looks like a dollar store beret, Kevin. <laughs> yes. It definitely doesn't look like a raspberry beret. No, it's a blueberry beret. <laughs> um, okay, they're both really bad. Which one did you like better? <laughs> Jackson Smith and Jigbuzz or... JSN's uh, looks friendlier. It looks like a, it looks I, like somebody's gerbil fell over. I thought Charbonnet's was the worst until I saw Jigba's, So I'm I'm going <laughs> I'm going Charbonnet. <laughs> going back. I think Charbonnet. Charbonnet's is a little bit better. Also, okay. Uh, Pete Carroll <laughs> said, "In Jamal Adams, Jamal Adams was at training camp to take his p- team pictures, uh, and Pete Carroll was asked questions about him, and they asked him. And I'm going to preface this by saying I saw Jamal <laughs> I, Adams." Jamal I don't know Adams. what he saw, but I know what he saw. I saw like, Jamal I Adams tweet that like, and I saw him running up and down stairs and I was like, oh baby, he's almost back. Pete Carroll says this. I'm unsure if Jamal Adams will be ready to start the 2023 season. It may be too much to ask. So um, you guys think that, where do you think guys think in this greater Seattle area, Jamal Adams would prefer to be buried? 
<laughs> there's, that is like that is like a de- that is like a death sentence from Pete Carroll right there. Oh my gosh! Uh, I, even if he plays, I don't expect him to play well. Under Lumen Field, point. apparently. Um, what are we and, thinking for Jamal Adams? Uh, week four. I think realistic. I think he's not. Pl- I don't think he plays most of the season. I'm going to go like week ten. Oh really? Yeah, I go. Oh, I'll take the over on whatever you guys want to set the line at, unless you get cheeky right here, Kevin, and say like seventeen and a half. Um, so, yeah, it's it's say, uh, I put that out there. It's kind of tempting. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a. Uh, I don't think it things. I don't think things are good. So uh, you don't with, think it'd be part Jamal. of a Pete Vember to re- to remember? Uh, it'd be more of a Pete that. Sember prospect. I mean, it might be Pete Uary. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it'll be so. uh, it'll be Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers. Uh, Christmas to Pete Rimmer. The, the roaster? Kenny Rogers roaster? Yeah. Well. Are you saying he's cooked? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of Jamal Adams, though, we've talked a lot about the the defensive formations that we think the Seahawks want to play. So, um, let's, let's try to figure it out this week. This week, we're going to try to figure it out. What is the Seahawks' base defense? And then, we'll try to figure out who will be on the field in the base defense. So, all right, let's start with this. This is... <laughs> This is like impossible, but here we go. Um, how many we're guys? Doing, we're doing roster preview on hard mode right now. <laughs> how many guys? Yeah. How many guys? Let's start with this. How many guys? 11. Hand, 11 guys are on the field. No, actually, we get a penalty on the first play of the season for 12 guys <laughs> in the field. You lose. Uh, yeah, buddy how many guys? Our coach, Kevin. <laughs> how many guys with their hand in the dirt on the first play? Three. Two. Oh, going three. <laughs> Two? <laughs> Oh boy, this is so one. Do I hear one? All right, Kevin. four on the line, but only two on the dirt. I can, I can do it, and I can do it in one <laughs> note. Hey, you gonna do this? This is what you get. Um, I, it's. I was thinking it was between three and four. Are you serious about two? Or are you just messing with me? I'm just messing with you. That'll be on third down. Okay. okay. All right. So three or three or four, Kevin. What do you think? Uh, are you leaning think, three also? I think we're going four. four um, okay. Open up, show kind of the run look to begin with. Okay, so then, okay, so they're playing LA also, so I think that makes it more likely. Oh yeah, they and they, well, they'll have three wide receivers in the first place, so we'll be we'll in have some three wide kind receivers of, on the first play, but also we'll have to talk uh, about it, the, the standing up players in a second. So okay, so four, four or three. I think one of these guys is flexible. I think you guys are going to have the same fourth guy. So the 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 three guys for sure down: Draymond, uh, Cam Young, Jaron Reed. Right, we all agree with that. We're all in on those three guys are probably very likely to be the f- or Mario Edwards instead of I'm about to say, unless Mario Edwards, Edwards beats out Jaron Reed. Okay. You, you with that, Eric, though? Those yeah. Yes, combination. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. And then yeah, with- so then so then the, the fourth guy will probably be Nwosu with his hand up or down. Kevin, is that what you think? Uh, or do you think they go really big on the first play with like Edwards in addition to those other guys? Or I think it's going to be I think it's going to be uh, either Mafe or Hall as the kind of on the line tweener, because I feel okay. like they fit that role better. Nwosu is going to be standing up as a rush player, either in an over position or uh, or kind of stacked with one of the Mafe is really big. He looks really big in training camp, like really yeah, Mafe big. and Hall are both defensive line big. So, yeah. So, OK, let's say Mafe is in the other spot with his hand up or down. Eric, are you into that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so then, so then that's I think our he front. He should improve this year. That's our front. I'm put this in air quotes. Front four, because you know it's a four-three over. 
or whatever. But Draymond, well, Cam Young, we're going to be Jaren. multiple, Nathan. We're going to be an aggressive attacking defense. We're going to be multiple. We're, uh, you know, then, son of a coach, best shape of their lives. Just Then Mafe is the other lineman uh, in this situation, or Derek Hall. Probably Mafe, though, because just the experience edge. Pete, You know Pete likes to bring the younger guys along a little slowly. Okay, then yeah. how many how many linebackers? Two? Three? What, this is where it gets interesting. Okay, so we got the four guys in, in the front there. How many linebackers? Two. Does anyone want to take us their first stab at this? Two or three? I'll, okay, I'll, I'll take the first stab because uh, Kevin will come in with the analysis. I think you honestly have two. And then as an asterisk, define linebacker. Okay, I mean, we so don't have a lot of is. we so don't no. have a lot of like linebackers on this team, like the typical linebacker. Uh, if you look at LB on our team that would actually play on the defense, I'm not talking special teams, we don't have a lot of linebackers. So I'm Bobby saying Bobby Wagner, Devin Bush. That's it. There you go. And, and those and are your list. guys. And then when when uh, when uh, Brooks comes back, you you're you're bringing him in, but you're probably rotating him. You're you're looking at more three linebacker looks, or you know, uh, putting another guy on the line. Um, so for you, maybe, it's just maybe Bobby blitzes. But yeah, I'm thinking we're we're keeping that two linebacker look most of the time. Nuosu and Bobby out there on the first play, kind of as the two two linebackers, Eric. Then, uh, uh, and then no, I wouldn't put no Nuosu. No, um, you got Nuosu coming off the the bench. Then, but Wagner and like Bush, Bush, Wagner and Wagner Bush, and Bush. Wagner okay. and Bush is what I have. Interesting. All right, Kevin, what do you think? I'm going with three, and I'm going with uh, Bobby uh, Bush and Nuosu. I think we're gonna go. Uh, I think we're gonna blitz on the first play. G- Cooper Cup, eight yard reception from the slot. First, first play of the season. Julian Love playing slot safety and bumping him on the line. You're gonna play. You're gonna go single. You're gonna go single high. You're crazy. Van Jefferson crazy. over the over the edge. Okay. So then, so then, Kevin, you're in four. You're in a, like kind of a straight four three to start yep. the season. Eric, you're in more of like a like a mixed. Uh, yeah, I have four, a mix because four, I two, think four two look. Nuosu, you're going to be closer to the line when he's in. Um, sure. I also can see Bobby doing that. I think you're going to keep those two linebackers back, and that third one is going to be up near the line because you're obviously still going to have a guy on the field, and you're not going to like play an extra safety or anything. All right, so, so Eric, Eric, you get five secondary players. Kevin gets four. So what? What are what are your five secondary players uh, going to look like here? Now that's the question, right? Um, who do you have as our three corners? So then, yeah, like that's a question. Who do you have as the three corners? It's like Woolen is the obvious one. I think Woolen seems equally obvious, but the question is some is combination that of the slaughter I, obvious outside. Let's, if I'm going five, let's go five DBs. Let's go with the people that are definitely going to be on the team, like that you that you that you like that you could see playing most downs. So, Andre so. Diggs, Tariq Woolen, mm-hmm. um, Joy, Joy and Love, Julian Love, Witherspoon, Witherspoon. And then, and then are you going so Jackson, Burns, guy, or Brown, or Bryant? Or Jerick Reed. Uh, Jackson, Burns, Brown, Bryant are all equally viable. I think Jerick Reed, it, as a rookie, is going to be brought along slower, like you slowly, said. Slowly, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, is it between Brown and Bryant? That's probably... Is that I think it's between thinking? Jackson. I think it's between Jackson and Bryant. This weekend Jackson in his press conference, uh, Pete Carroll said that Mike Jackson was the best player in training camp so far. Now that's a little bit of that's please give of please give us a fourth round pick for Mike Jackson. That's a, that but, is the kiss of death right there. Come on. But <laughs> Pete Carroll, no, but here's the thing. Pete Carroll does stuff like this all the time. And they have been playing Devin Witherspoon in the slot in practice as well. Pete does this thing where he like 
gets the fan base ready. He, I, I call it like expectation setting, but he like brings it along slowly. So this is Remember like step doing one. it for Gino last year. This is step one of the expectation setting, which is like, hey, Mike Jackson's playing really good for us and we want to get him on the field. And then that way he can keep saying stuff like that and keep building on it. And then in week one, when it's five defensive backs and it's Woolen, Mike Jackson and Witherspoon in the slot with Diggs and Love uh, in the secondary, everyone's like, oh, okay, like this is kind of what their plan was the whole time. So that's that's kind of my uh, my thought there, Eric. So I don't think it's unreasonable to go with like if you said most likely to make the roster, Jackson's a deadlock. He's making the roster if he's not on if he's on the team. Yeah. So I just I'm I'm, I'm so, yeah. curious of who's starting. Either way, that's those are the five guys. I think All if right. you want to take Jackson over Bryant, I'm I'm perfectly fine with that. Speak, speaking of five guys, guys, did you know that? I'm just kidding. Okay, <laughs> Kevin, 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 could be. <laughs> Kevin, you you got four guys. Did, did you know you could pay twenty one dollars for a hamburger, just a burger? <laughs> uh, Kevin, uh, what's your what's your who's your who's your four defensive backs here? Um, I think Witherspoon's going to claim a starting spot. I have Woolen and Witherspoon as my starters. I think Witherspoon is going to have that Chris Harris inside outside flexibility. Um, he might not start out that way. They might want him to dedicate himself to either playing in the slot or playing outside. But I just, you listen to like what Tyler says about him being a smart player. You listen to what some of the leaders on the team talk about with you him see, kind of putting you him see the, to work. You see the training camp videos of him just getting roached by Jackson Smith and Jigba. <laughs> Did you see he that? He had a half step on him, and he wasn't allowed to be physical. But that was that was a good wheel route dude, by Jackson with the Jigba. I mean, but and Jigba and Jigba can move, man. He's so good. He's, that what he that was a, that's a tailor made route for him to burn somebody too. That's that's cold blooded to put that. It's gonna there. be he's gonna be all it's gonna be all Jackson this season. I'm so excited already. One on ones favor the wide receivers unless you let the cornerbacks mug the wide receivers. So I'm not like against it because the whole point of playing cornerback in the NFL is to push people towards your coverage, right? And like. Yep. There's no there's no over the top coverage there. It wasn't like Quandre Diggs was patrolling. So so yeah, I agree, Kevin. It's, it's it was like kind of funny to everyone's like, oh, Witherspoon got burned. It's like this really favors the wide receiver. Quite no, it's like the it's like the one on ones at the Senior Bowl where they're like, oh, he burned him. He's like, yeah, they ran around for like ten seconds, dude. He's eventually gonna shake him. Like, yeah. <laughs> everyone you can create everyone. Can, I mean, it was impressive by Smith and Jigba. He just got open, which is like what yeah. he's gonna do all season. But uh, yeah, if there was a safety helping on that side or something, it makes the play completely different. But I, I think it's not... Witherspoon, Woolen, Diggs, and Love, um, unless Adams is healthy and able to make it. I think that's just. I think that's our starting four. And you have Love kind of creeping up into the box uh, to help against like the three wide receiver look here, and yep. and then uh, we're kind of we're kind of naked over the top on this. But you're you're looking for a run or or a sack on the old bad shoulder Stafford. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think we're going to see a lot more uh, flexibility in our pass rush because of the talent in our defensive backfield. I think the team's going to want to establish that you have to be careful. We we're one of the least blitzing teams in football last season. I think we'll be uh, back up towards average. I know we're not a big blitzing team, but Kevin, what do you think like, that is? Is it? But, do you think that's philosophy or talent or or mix of the? I think I mean the thing is, guys. Kevin wants to see five guys rushing the passer. Speaking of five, <laughs> did you know they'll pour extra French fries right into the bag <laughs> once they're done? Use peanut again. oil. Um, this, so... this restaurant can kill you if you have an allergy. <laughs> speaking of kill, speaking of, speaking of killer, speaking of killing killer, people, killer, killer, killer burgers, absolutely kill. All right, anyway, um, so I, uh, I think that. 
the difference is uh, Witherspoon, I think, is just a really stable skill set. Um, Woolen, I think, in year two is going to be a bit less of a gambler than he was. It might result in a few less picks, but I think it will result in uh, more stable play on the outside from him. And uh, Quandre is going to be healthy from the start of the year, at least, you know, unless something happens in training camp or whatever. So I think all of that combines to give the defensive coaching staff a little more security in the way the defensive backs are going to play. And when you invest all that talent, all those draft picks, all that money into the safety position, you're doing that for a reason. I think the reason you do that is it lets you manufacture a pass rush. We still don't have that one elite pass rusher, but we've now got a set of guys who have skills that let them get to the quarterback. Draymond Jones can get to the quarterback from the inside. Jaron Reed has shown that he can pressure the pocket. Uh, Mario Edwards is capable of getting a little bit of pressure as well as being good at playing the run. We're rolling four deep with capable pass rushers. We know Bobby Wagner's an efficient blitzer. Um, Devin Bush has a skill set that tells you that he'd be an efficient blitzer from the inside. Um, we have a lot of ways of getting to the quarterback um, with different guys, with different looks, overloading different sides, sending delayed blitzes up the middle. And uh, being able to trust your defensive backs to handle those first two and a half seconds of coverage allows you to do that a lot more without worrying about that toxic differential that we know Pete hates. Yeah, Edwards did have his like best pass rushing season last year, but it was still only like 14 sacks and hits. The, I, I, uh, I'm closer to Eric's defense, I think, for first down, just because I do think McVay will come out, spread it out, get an extra defensive back onto the field. Uh, I do think the linebackers will be Nuosu and Bobby, though. The, it will, so that'll be a flatter, a little flatter look than uh, than what I think Eric expects. Uh, just uh, five guys kind of close to the line. Speaking of, Speaking okay. of five guys, I can't, I Nathan needs to stop whoa, doing this a, joke. I'm not, a, I'm not a flat earther, Nathan. Come on. Uh, it's a 5-1-5, basically, at some point, And that's a really interesting thing. Because the other thing is, all these guys who are kind of playing that hybrid edge position, um, Taylor, Nuosu... Hall, Mafe, all of them to varying degrees can drop into coverage without embarrassing themselves. They're somewhere uh, between not embarrassing nice. and pretty good. That's very nice to to, to Taylor right there. But the other guys, I all agree the, <laughs> completely. The the uh, the other thing for Witherspoon is I think that Seahawks wanted to get defensive backs who could come up into the box and play against the run and be mm-hmm. effective against in the run game. That's why I have so much faith in Jarek Reed at some point making an impact in the in the uniform. And Devin Witherspoon is a be- even better example of that. They're gonna play. I think in the in my set they play him in Love the slot. You. They play him in the slot in first down and they they put him over, you know. Cooper Cup or whatever, and if they do run, he just puts that guy in the dirt and makes a play in the backfield. Like that's that's why they got him. They got him to do stuff like that, where he can he can be a, an inside out presence and affect both the run game and the pass game with his physicality. Uh, is that is there any before we move to the offense? Is there any interesting uh, camp battles that are that you're watching out for? Uh, any any guys for me? It's the it's definitely who's playing in the slot is the number one thing I'm watching. Like is it Devin? Is it Kobe? Is it Jarek? Is it you know, uh, that's pretty much it. Those are the <laughs> Trey Brown. Is it Trey Brown? Yeah. Is it Artie uh, Burns? I, Artie Burns has played slot. Yeah. So th- it's just who's playing in the slot. That's all. That's all I'm watching. I think the front stuff is it's pretty set. Like who's who is what now? Whether it's three or four guys, that that is something that we'll have to see as we get closer. Or what what is the what are the usage rate of those fronts looks like? But um, 
the who's playing in the slot, I think, is the, the battle that I'm kind of watching. Who's getting those reps? What about what about you, Eric? What are you watching? What, what camp battle? Oh, slot, slot, any sort of midfield battle between oh, receivers like our, or cornerbacks. That's or safeties, really what I right? like. Yeah, well, like, safeties, maybe. If we had Jamal, how we use Julian Love thing. is going to be really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, how we use Julian Love, but also, like, again, what Kevin said, Adams comes back. I have no idea what this defense is going to look like because we're talking about what kind of defense they're going to come out with. They haven't really said it, and it's kind of, I think that's by design. They want to be a little more secretive, but I don't know what safeties we're going to use, how we're going to use them. I know what Quandre's going to do. Uh, (laughs) I know what sneaky look. Yeah. I want to see if Kobe Bryant takes snaps at safety. Okay. Mm, interesting. He has got a really good uh, skill set as a zone coverage safety that I could see them like giving him a little bit of work there. And the other thing is, I, uh, you know, when the other safeties start getting snaps, seeing if they put Julian Love in the slot a little bit, just to uh, like as the preseason approaches, just to yeah. uh, see what that looks I like. I would not be surprised to see Julian Love in the slot at some point during the preseason. The thing is, is that, yeah, uh, Kobe Bryant with the the zone zone coverage, eyes forward stuff is like what he's really good at. He doesn't have like NFL speed athleticism. So, yeah, using him as some kind of hybrid box uh, outside safety guy could be interesting. OK, yeah, it's so much promise. Yeah, I would say yeah. the other thing is the uh, the usage rate of the four primary uh, edge players, like how much are Taylor Mafe? Nwosu and Hall playing, and how much do we mix and match those four for different situations? Yeah, does Mike does Mike does the Mike Morris hive take over? Do we get do we get Mike Morris snaps, uh, significant snaps week one? All right, offense. Okay, let's just start with this. So we don't have to do be as granular at this one. We just say one thing: three wide receivers or two. Uh, from like, what's what's going to be the predominant usage there? Are we going to be more three wide receiver team or a two wide receiver team? Wait, I don't, you know, we could use the extra linebacker in the slot or t- tight end, sorry, in the slot and call him, you know, big wide receiver or whatever. But like, do we see Metcalf, Lockett and Smith and Jigba like 60%, 70%? What percentage of the time do we get those three guys on the field together? What do you think, Kevin? I think that will be our predominant set is three wide receiver. You don't spend a first round pick on Jackson Smith and Jigba and you don't pay all that money to Tyler and DK to not have three receivers on the field. I think we're going to be one of the I think we're I think we're going to be top 10 in the league in three receiver sets even though we have quality at tight end um and there's a lot of things we can do with our tight ends and we are three deep at tight end with Fant Disley and Parkinson I just feel like what you can do with those three receivers is potentially very special and I I just don't see why you wouldn't have them on the field do you know why I, I totally buy it is that you know, we've seen it in the past. Tyler and DK are oh, they're okay at blocking. They're not amazing. And DK should be better. I don't know what it's what his uh, is if it's just like his mentality. He never had much to work. block until he got here. I think yes. that's part of it. Do you know who's work. A, Do you know who's a really good blocker as a wide receiver? Yeah, Jackson Smith and Jigba. He's not huge, but he is so willing, and he sp- he sprung a bunch of big runs at uh, at Ohio State where he was part of the play, and so. I do think they're going to, that is why they drafted him. Part of why he drafted him and why he'll be on the field a lot is that in the slot, he won't embarrass himself 
trying to block a guy from getting in the backfield. The same way we want Devin Witherspoon to play maybe close to the line and get in the backfield, Jackson Smith and Jigba can stop that from happening on the other side. Eric, do you agree? Is it is it three wide receivers all the way? There's no way it can be anything else but three. One, Kevin said the thing about drafting Jackson Smith and Jigma so high. I think you want to play him. He's six foot one. He's got he's got a great frame on him. He's uh, what he's twenty one, so he's not like exactly a super young guy coming in. Oh, Tyler, that's that's pretty young. Like that's like it's like it's as young in, as they get. Well, his like, breakout yeah. season was his age nineteen season at Ohio State. Exactly. That's another important like, thing. He's, he's old for his age. Is my point. And you've got. Tyler at age 30, I think you're probably going to want to spell Tyler a little more than you think. Kind of like, remember DK's rookie year, how you saw DK way more than you thought you would? Um, mm-hmm. I, I Target-wise, I think in Jigma, you're looking at the same thing. We want to kind of maximize our Tyler Lockett time. Uh, you know, spell ah, so maybe where it's, you can. So maybe it's Tyler getting like closer to 60% of the snaps and then... Smith and Jigwell more closer. Yeah, to maybe 90 65, something like, something like that. And then also we've never been like a tight end team where every every few years it would be like, oh, the Seahawks are going to move more to tight ends. Or, hey, they, you know, to make Russ happy, they got another offensive coordinator. And uh, this one really likes to use his tight ends. It's just something that we use as necessity, right? It was like last year we ne- needed to Necessity use it. or a trick play or like, oh, the tight end was the target here. Uh, but yeah, it's always going to be three receivers last for, year. We, for this year, we lined Fant or Parkinson up in the slot quite a bit, even Disley, uh, quite a yep. bit. And I'm to, not, uh, yeah. To, Cause we had to, we, who, what else are we going to do? Roll D Eskridge out there. Come on guys. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Let's be, let's be, let's be reasonable. Come on. Second round pick D Eskridge. Not, not happening. You know, uh, quietly so- Charbonnet, I think has an impact on this too. Charbonnet is such a battering ram that you don't need to put the extra tight end out there to buy him an extra second to get to the middle because he just see whole middle done. Tough runner. I'm I'm so in on Charbonnet. I can't I cannot express to you how in on Charbonnet I am. And uh, and I just I think he's by the end of the season, he's clearly like the one A to Walker's one B as opposed to the one B. And I know that maybe is a controversial opinion for a lot of people because Kenneth Walker was so good last year, but this is the kind of guy that Pete Carroll loves giving the ball to over and over again to just beat the other team up. And yeah, he's then a fall forward once, player. once they're beat up, you send out Kenneth Walker. The thing, the thing about that is, is that we used to have, you know, when we first, the Legion started, it was one guy. Beast mode is both of those guys. He beats them yes. up and he breaks <laughs> the big run. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to find one guy to do both those things. There's only so many Derrick Henrys, Marshawn Lynches in the world. Uh, very few. Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet in composite are like Marshawn Lynch, right? It's like the, the tough runner and the the home run hitter. And you just you let Charbonnet wear him down. And then in the fourth quarter, it's Ken Walker time, baby. They're tired. He's just – he's fresh because he hasn't played that much in the first half. And he's just burning 70-yard runs. I agree. I think three, three wide receivers is the base set this year. We see a lot less of the two tight end looks, which sucks because these tight ends – this is a talented tight end group, in my opinion, with Disley, yeah. Fant. Parkinson, it's a good tight end group, but you just don't want to take the, your best players off the field super often, and you want to create mismatches, and that's what Jackson Smith and Jigba and Tyler Lockett playing in the slot will do. Having one of those guys underneath is just a terror for defenses to deal with, and so that's what happens. Uh, I don't think there's too much uh, interesting stuff other than that on the... Well, it's the interior offensive line is the other battle, and that is so hard to gauge in anything... Like, even in preseason, it is really hard to gauge how those battles are going. You kind of just start doing snap counts on preseason games. 
Yeah, Lewis. <laughs> it's Lewis Brown, Haynes, Oluwatimi, Bradford. Three of these guys will start on the inside of the offensive line, and two will be the backups. <laughs> like that. That's pretty much yep. it. That's there's there's not there's not a lot of like uh, mystery there. I mean, you can try to guess who the sixth slash fifth wide receiver will be. You know, will one of these guys come along? Jake. There's a lot of Jake Bobo hype. I don't agree. It's just because he has a fun name. Uh, I'm gonna go out. On, I, I'm gonna go out and say this: Jake Bobo is on the practice squad this year, oh, converting yeah. to tight end. I would, I dig it because I mean, if we lose with Disley and Fant this off or Fant this off season, and then Disley the next season, we're gonna need to bring another guy along. Uh, Griffin Hebert could be that guy too. I really like the athletic profile. Uh, Kenny McIntosh making the team. Like it's just there's just not that much. I think this offense looks pretty set and it looks pretty stacked. <laughs> Too. This is yeah. A there's not a lot of battles, group. but it's for a good reason. It's yeah. because we we actually do have a lot of quality players in positions. Like the, I'm really looking forward to year two of the tackles. I think that's going to fir- be so fun to watch. Yeah, the first eleven guys, the the starting offense for this team is going to be good. Like across the board, this should be a powerhouse offense. As long as Gino was not a complete mirage last year, which it doesn't seem yeah. like he is. Uh, Gino said, "I'm I've, I'm leading the way I've always led." Uh, I'm, I've always been a leader, which I, I don't really understand because uh, he got punched in the face that one time. But... <laughs> that was a defensive player. He only leads. The well, offense. wasn't that based on DK Metcalf? Uh, that article about him taking too much into the leadership role. He's gonna let. He's gonna sit back and let Gino be the leader. I, I thought that. that uh, I thought that point um, was a really interesting one. So they always talk about like being a vocal leader and a non-vocal leader. It was kind of cool to have DK explain what he meant by being less of a vocal leader. And he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna be more like Bobby was my my rookie year. I'm not gonna tell people they need to go get into the weight room or anything. I'm just gonna say, hey, I'm here at six thirty in the morning lifting weights every day. If you want to be here, I'm here with you." Like that's a great example uh, like of like that. what non-vocal leadership is. I'll over, follow you, DK. The over under for the Seahawks right now is eight and a half wins. Just right now, we got a lot of preseason and uh, you know late veteran signings and stuff to go. But right now, how do you feel about that over under? Where you at? Go, Eric. Go ahead. What I do, think that over under is the perfect number. Um, perfect. Right now, I'm under. You're under. Um, so you think an eight, eight, feeling eight and nine? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. going through the schedule. That's that's what I had, and um, I don't I don't want to go. I don't want to be super high on this team until it's it's until they give me reason to. But it's uh, eight and a half. That perfect number. Yeah. What do you, What about you, Kevin? What do you think? I already have a wager placed on the over. Um, oh. I I am in pound the over mode on that. Uh, I think that that's. I think that that's low. Um, I think that's below my my low end threshold for non injuries. It feels to me like a a ten to eleven win team. So I think over feels good to me too. But uh, you know, injuries, all kinds of stuff can happen between now and the start of the season. I do think there's just a def- there's two defining stretches in this season. Like, can we be four and zero going into the bye? The schedule sets up mm-hmm. nicely for it. If we're four and zero going into the bye, we're in very good shape to win ten plus games. And then, can't how can we handle how can we handle the the mini after the mini bye or whatever coming off of the Rams game, or we got the back to back Thursday night game: San Francisco, Dallas, San Francisco, um, the Eagles, and then at Tennessee. Even if we can get two wins in there, you're looking at eleven or twelve. If we can't, 
then you're looking at closer to eight or nine, like Eric Eric said. So, yep, it's a it's an interesting schedule because it has a couple quirks like that. And the early buy, it's I would be f- much more flat on the team if we had like I, I would narrow my range a little bit, but I just think there's a big range of outcomes. Like if we lose at the Lions and at the Giants, and we're two and two going into the buy, um, sound the alarm. <laughs> we're 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 in we're in like we might not get better than the nine seed, right? So yeah, that's that's a or seven seed. I mean, sorry, seven seed. I also think if we were as thin as we were last year, I'd be more worried. This team, I don't feel like the roster is thin like it was last year. I feel like getting a couple of full drafts really helped. Yeah, barring like a DK Metcalf injury or uh, a Geno Smith injury or something. Well, hey man, we got Locke waiting. He's locked in. Locked in. He looks really. He looks really bad whenever I see him like in training camp and stuff. He just looks like like you know how people make those really bad last year too though, and then like turned it on. A year ago, I was like, all over this. Like, I was like, Drew Locke's going to be our starter. Gino's had the chance. He's had his chance. Drew Locke's going to be the starter. That's I pounded. They that. show those. They show those like Baker Mayfield clips of him just overthrowing tight ends. And I feel like every time <laughs> I see a Drew Locke clip, I'm always like, oh, he missed. He missed it. Or and look, and then you see, you hear things like, oh, you know, his command of the offense is pretty clunky. And it's like, man, he's been here for two years. It should be better. You know, just just better. But he's been in the NFL for five years. He should be better. Yeah, it's so it's what it is what it is. He's maybe he's just a career backup. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But you're right, Kevin. A Geno Smith injury would be devastating to this team. All right, there are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way to do so head over to Patreon.com/slash Seahawks Nest for as little as dollar twenty four month. Join a Discord, get direct access to to us. Uh, you can just hit us up all the time. Uh, thanks to those who are in the Discord, like Emmanuel, Andy, Brett, Cooper, Evan, Flocktimus, Gavin, James, Jose, Joshua, Lucas, Malcolm, Micah, Rad Dad, Nikki C. Ryan, Timothy, Tom, Astro, Blake, watching a fish quest on YouTube. Check him out. Bob, Casey, Daniel, David, Foles, Jay, Luke, Michelle, Mike, Mike, Richard, Thomas, Warwolf, Brandon, and Nick. Thank you guys for listening and supporting the show. Okay. Also, if you have no money, you're just dead broke and you can't do anything. iTunes review. I haven't got, we haven't got one in a long time and it really helps in the algorithm. If you, you feed it every once in a while, most people still discover their podcasts via iTunes. Uh, and I did notice Google that people app. hunting for uh, uh, off-season slash preseason podcasts, I saw on the Seahawks subreddit, we've gotten a couple of mentions. Anyone who's listening out there who gave us a mention, appreciate it. Appreciate oh, the love. You. Always good. Uh, love seeing everyone mentioning uh, Man-to-Man and some other of the really good Seahawks podcasts out there in the Seahawkers, uh, C- uh, uh, Man-to-Man, uh, just any of the ones that aren't too depressing. <laughs> you know, like, are there some po- I like there's what some Maddie does on YouTube is pretty good. Yeah, the, the overload. Overload's great. Mm-hmm. Okay, overload's great as long as you have like enough football knowledge to keep up because they don't explain enough. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that. Like if I hadn't coached football, I would be like lost sometimes when they're talking about stuff. So that that is another thing is that you know maybe do like a couple primers. Yes, or people talk jump. about jumping into the, the deep end of the pool. This is more That's... like jumping off of the side of the boat into the ocean. you gotta be ready ready. okay uh this week new transformers movie comes out i have friends who have seen it and they said it is good they said that this is a fun transformers movie the rise of the beasts uh eric i know you're a huge transformers guy so i'm gonna let just ask you just a general transformers question who are some of your favorite transformers characters uh i i'm going back to the early 80s cartoon when it first started and they were first trying to sell me toys um <laughs> uh bumblebee optimus oh. prime jazz who is 
conspicuously absent from this Transformers movie where the main Transformer is a Porsche. Um, <laughs> yeah, Mirage. I got, I got beef. Absence. I got beef, boys. Um, Are you saying that they should have just made Mirage Jazz? I mean, they, yeah, Mirage is about... a Formula One race car. Why is he a Porsche in this? Why not make it Jazz? Also, mm-hmm. Jazz was um, Form- Formula One's really boring now. Have you watched it? <laughs> that, you, well, exactly. So why just leave Formula One out? That's great because Mirage was really boring. So did you did you see this movie, Eric? Yeah, Eric are you guy? No, I've I've not seen this. I'll catch it when it streams. So people people say though it's like really good. It's fun. Um, also, I'm it, not a nostalgic. Yeah, like, if you like, that's if when I was in high school, and I would I'd leave for high school, and I'd be like, uh, "Why are Transformers turning into animals and robots? I don't get it." Time, but to it's go cool because it's cool because his name's Optimus Primal. Sure. Yes. <laughs> that's and that's, that's they, cha- they changed they changed one sound to to make yeah. it a new character. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm excited about the movie, but you know we gotta start with the movie that kind of rebooted the the Transformers franchise recently which is the last transformers movie so this is the one we're going to be talking about our big subject today is 2018's 91 percent rotten tomatoes which i think is a little bit of an overrate uh bumble well, you have to remember if you Bumblebee. think it's above average it's fresh and i uh, feel like this is a, a very I, above average movie i feel like it's a very <laughs> i felt like it was very average but well okay let, let's get let's get into it okay so we've got Char- uh Haley seinfeld plays charlie we, okay, well, the movie Haley opens. Steinfeld's great. The, the, yeah, so I was, I'll get there. Wait, I got to go back a little bit. The movie opens with like a lengthy on Cybertron CGI fest where uh, Bumblebee, played by Dylan O'Brien, is now talk. He talk uh, in this one, and he's they're they're battling, and there's uh, lots of what's stuff important going about on. this, Nathan. Um, the important they, thing about this is, is it, it costs sixty million dollars to make. I don't yes. know. Like, it, it's, <laughs> there's it, not, no, it's boring. It, like, I, of all the, well, it's partially boring because you've seen it five hundred times thanks to modern cinema. But the yeah. original Transformers movies took the designs of the original Transformers and really changed them around and made them like got away from the cartoon and the toys and made it so the long term fans they were unrecognizable and it just became a CGI mess. In order to get people to actually watch these movies again, they needed to keep it a CGI mess because that's all of Hollywood. But also they wanted to make uh, the characters look a little more like their original design because, you know, nostalgia pays. I do, I do <laughs> uh, like that they gave... movie theaters and Soundwave looked like Soundwave. He sounded like Soundwave. Um, all the, the characters looked closer to their original designs. And this opening scene kind of told people, hey this is what you're in for. And that leaked uh, a lot of that leaked online beforehand intentionally. And it got people to the movie theater. They, I feel like they did a good job um, with Bumblebee. Like they gave a good reason in universe that the transformers can look like a bunch of different cars with him, yes. like scanning, scanning the, di- when the, the different characters scanning the different things to, uh, to do it. And then that way you can get them in and out of their iconic looks, right? Like Bumblebee is a beetle in this, but you know, also when they want him to be a Camaro sometimes. So they gave so that's him actually even more toys. He was that's a G- actually, that goes back to the very first episode of transformers. That's exactly what they did then too. The only yeah. difference is they didn't scan in 2015. They scanned in 1984. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so it's cool. It's cool though. Like I, I really, yeah. I really thought that was cool in universe. They gave, they gave reasons. Um, okay. So we, so we get, 
Bumblebee gets uh, taken in by Haley Seinfeld, Charlie and the uh, E.T. E. ensues. I don't know, like whatever you want to call this, the monster and kid movie, the classic yeah. trope uh, of that movie. And they just execute the the boilerplate, uh, the boilerplate plot. And it's fine. There's there's nothing to it. It's exactly what you expect. They hit every note that uh, it's uh, Haley. The, they have a couple good actors chewing up some scenes here. Haley Seinfeld's good. John Cena, always great comedic timing. Uh, very funny in this movie. Uh, he has, John Cena has the best line in the movie, which is they literally the call themselves lines. Decepticons. That doesn't set off any red flags. Right. <laughs> John Cena has like a couple jokes in this movie that really hit. Yeah, that, that were really, really good. Um, and then that Dr. Powell, John Ortiz uh as the weirdo as the weirdo uh thing um i felt like her parents were a little flat for me i probably like pamela adlon she's a good actress but like they're they were like really weird at the beginning i feel like there's a different movie where her stepdad is a pod person yeah i was they felt like pod people yes they felt like they were grown in the lab like in the next movie you told me they were decepticons i'd be like oh yeah that makes sense yes (laughs) because like her her stepdad turns into a cassette tape and you're like i knew it yeah that it just it just felt like a like a like yeah fake people they didn't feel real to me uh that and that was too bad her little brother's okay best part of the little brother kind of feels like the little brother off of a commercial but it's fine yes that's the thing it's like the family the family characters just feel like caricatures a little bit the best thing about Haley seinfeld's character she works at hot dog on a stick so i got to bring that up um (laughs) i also like that they made a hot dog on a stick joke because the uh can we just not serve it on the stick and the manager just looks at her like no no we're called hot dog on a stick (laughs) what do you mean can we serve it without the stick uh okay um Movie's a little long for me. There are parts where it feels like it's really slow, especially the people parts. I always hate in these Transformers movies how the, they feel like the people need to be a part of the big action sequences. And I kind of got excited when Bumblebee put her in a dumpster and I was like, oh, thank God, they're just going to let the robots fight and not have like a person climbing around. But that, of course, was not what happened. Uh, so <laughs> we like we have, we have these giant murderous robots who could shoot rockets. And then we've got like a regular person who has no weapons or training, just, you know, infecting. climbing a crane. It, climbing a crane to affect intergalactic space war it doesn't make that that stuff bothers me way more than it probably should i should just suspend disbelief it's a freaking transformers movie but but it just i it definitely lowers the the ceiling of any movie like this for me the thing All is right. every time every time a human does anything in a fight in uh in transformers it's the equivalent of when jar jar drops a blaster and murders like nine like uh, uh <laughs> like nine robots and you're this just like true. this is this is the worst Put the mascot down. Leave the mascot alone. This isn't what the mascot is for. Uh, either way, like strong, strong female protagonist. Cool movie. I gave it a three. I, I, I feel like the human scenes are the strongest human scenes of any Transformers movie. That's a this low is, bar. This is the best Transformers movie. It's a I, very low bar. I don't. I don't think that's crossing as a particularly high bar. Correct. Um, <laughs> the, I. I like. And saying like this has the best female character in Transformers movies, it's like great. It doesn't have like hypersexualized Megan Fox. Like it's like <laughs> the 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 characterization. Um, but like Iron Giant, ET, How to Train Your Dragon, uh, all those movies. This is just another one in the 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 lineage of uh, per- kid meets beast, kid and beast work together to do something. Monsters cool. Inc. Opposite version of the same thing. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's. It just it went too long. Like if this movie, was, if they found a way to tighten ten minutes out of this movie, they, which they easily could have, I think I would give it like a three and a half or a four instead of a two and a half or a three. But let's give it. Let's hand it over to the expert. We have a Transformers expert in the room. Eric, this is your chance. Give me, give me, give me three or four minutes on on what you thought about Bumblebee. 
Everything you said was accurate. Uh, the beginning of what I said about how they set up the how the universe and the looks of the characters, it, it made it good for me. I also have this movie at a three. It is the best Transformers movie. Uh, they didn't really screw up a whole lot. Like I want nostalgia. I want what I what I'm used to. Did the music uh, help with the nostalgia, Eric? Ah, uh, some great no. '80s, some great '80s tracks in this movie, though, right? Yeah, but I some great band shirts. Anytime, anytime I hear a soundtrack in a film, I'm like, why'd you pay for these licensed songs? Why don't you make your own music? Be original. Um, no, it's it's it was enjoyable, and they kept it they kept it tight, meaning they didn't bring in like you know Optimus Prime didn't come in and save the day at the end. They kept it a Bumblebee movie. I think that's probably the way to go. If you have this deep universe that really doesn't have a lot of, like, let's let's face it, there's not like, uh, there's gonna be some Transformers fan that hears this, they're gonna be mad, but there's not like a, a definitive Transformers universe that everyone knows and loves. You know, you've got Beast Wars, you've got this Generation it's, it's, Two. It's about the it's about the characters more than the, the exactly. The and yeah. mm-hmm. as long as you're not doing what Michael Bay did and basically making it a, a porny CGI mess then you can kind of keep it to these characters and keep it smaller. This new one, they're bringing in Mirage, um, which is, again, I don't get it, but they're bringing the beasts. I'm worried that just looking at this, that it's going to be just a... Too hey, much. We, we added 10 more characters, and they're not mm-hmm. going to do anything. They're just going to, hey, that one looks like a cheetah, and it goes raw, and then it's going to say something funny, and you're going to buy it. Uh, that's where I'm like, I'll, I'll watch it when it streams. And if it gets enough good reviews, then I'll watch it. Yeah, it's um, it's like it's like the it's like here's the thing is the human parts of these movies are often the drag and this one like the human parts are good enough and then the robot parts are not as stupid as <laughs> the other ones. So it's like in, in all it's it's completely fine, uh, but it could be it could. Ju- I don't know how how do you make a five star movie in this universe? I don't think you can. Like, you don't. don't know. It's a it's a mediocre blockbuster, and mediocre blockbusters are fine as long as they are a entertaining and b not overly long. Like I I would like to have more Spider Verse, Guardians of the Galaxy. Like you hit the blockbuster notes while also being a great movie, but you know sometimes you're just a a, a mediocre CGI fest, and that's fine. All right, the only way that you'd actually get the five stars getting a director or a showrunner who cares that wants to spend a gazillion dollars on it. A la the MCU, how it started. I mean, I feel um, like Travis that's Knight. That's not gonna that, happen. I feel like Travis Knight was that guy with Bumblebee. Like that's like as that's as as high as you're gonna get in terms of like getting a really great director to to come direct it, right? It's like mm-hmm. you're gonna get Travis Knight. Also he's Phil Knight's son, so you have access to like limitless money to get this thing over the finish line. Like that Bumblebee was probably as close as they're ever gonna get to to be able to do like a like a five star Transformers movie, like you said, Eric. And they just uh didn't quite have and the juice. I don't know if it was the script also, wasn't good enough or, or what. But. It's a little too late. I mean, let's face it. You, you're you already out on the MCU, right, Nathan? I think we kind of all are. I, I don't know. I'll say I'm out, but like I just don't. I'm not dying to see the next MCU movie like I, yeah. like I was in the past. Like, like just, I, I watched the Quantum watch this week, and it was very much a... CGI even Snorfest, somehow somehow <laughs> somehow i had even somehow it had even more cgi than this transformers movie it was cgi the movie yeah like, everyone's just plus every the formula is in no way interesting to me or original it's just what they've always done so mm-hmm. um i'm kind of like i'll watch them occasionally but i ultimately don't care it's got to be something special for me to care too much cgi makes a 
makes a movie feel lifeless. It's like what we talked about with uh, it's like our critique of the performance behind uh, Princess Peach and the voice acting. Like you could tell it was like she wasn't talking to other people. She was just saying lines into a microphone. I feel like when you get a ton of CGI and green screen, you just have there's no interaction. Everything feels like separate things acting out on a screen. That's the big danger with these CGI fests. And you got to be special to work in front of a CGI screen and know what you're doing and and still still act. It's it's hey, an art know, form and it's lost in modern Hollywood. Do you know why Travis Knight rejected the the Bumblebee sequel, the the Beast Wars movie, Eric? Uh, too many too many beasts, not enough Bumblebee. No, I don't uh, know. He he is mate. He's working on an adaptation. He was working on an adaptation of Six Million Dollar Man with Mark Wahlberg. I don't that know if it ever. So fun. I don't if, even know if I don't know if it ever got off the ground. But if it's because he's made he made another movie after that. But if it's a comedy, then I'm excited. <laughs> If it's a serious movie, I'm not excited. Yeah, I don't know what they'll do. Maybe it's a series too. You know, at this point, you never know. Um, best part of the movie for me is at the end of the movie where uh, John Cena asks Bump, or salutes Bumblebee, and Bumblebee responds with the fist pump from the Breakfast Club. So yes. yep, that's 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 uh, that's the best part of the movie, and that is how you should respond to any salute at this point. Don't do a military salute. Do the fist pump from the Breakfast Club. <laughs> <laughs> play the play simple minds in your head while you do it oh my god um that's 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 the greatest part uh any 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 other thoughts before we uh we take it home kevin you're our serious movies critic did you do you have any final thoughts no it was three out of five summer blockbuster actiony movie it was fine it was fun yeah fun movie if you like if you like the, the transformers this is as good as it gets i think if you have if you skip this because you were disenchanted with what michael bay was doing with the transformers like me this, and just this watch was it a, now for this <laughs> this is a nice this was a nice soft reset that like kind of resets the universe and puts them in a much better spot to continue even if uh Travis Knight rejected the uh the sequel. I'm sure I'm sure it's fun cuz these movies are this movie is pretty solid. All right. Uh for Kevin, for Eric, we will uh, see you next week. Go Hawks.